Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose, to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today's program is part of a series we are calling We Are MCU. It's a chance to get to know the organizers, leaders, and sustainers of MCU and learn about what motivates us to do the work. Today, my guest is Terry Kanise, a leader with the MCU Legislative Task Force. Welcome, Terry, and thanks for being here. Thanks, Kevin. It's good seeing you. Just to give us a, a little background for you personally, where did you grow up? Are you originally from St. Louis? I am, Kevin. I grew up in Pagedale, which is a small little community just north of uh, University City, um, just beyond the city limits. And uh, it was kind of a, a middle class. My dad was a, a postal worker um, for 35 years. And so it was kind of middle class typical middle-class upbringing, white middle-class, you know, white supremacist kind of privileged environment. So <laughs> thanks okay. for it. Well, <laughs> well, at least you're being honest about things. And that's, that's one of the things that we've learned here at MCU is, is to, uh, you know, look, look up and live and, and be honest about conditions. So, um, so uh, tell us about what, what you do or did for a living. Cause I think you're retired, correct? Yes, yes. I retired about, uh, I guess, about eight years ago now. Uh, I worked in the IT industry, and uh, I think you have too. So any more detail just kind of starts fogging people's minds, I think. But it was mostly revolved around networking uh, inside IT. And and then how did you learn about MCU, and why did you decide to uh, actively participate? Well, you know, after I retired, I was wanted to do something that, that was engage with the community. And the the real connection for me was uh, a woman named Helen Sloan. She passed away about uh, four years ago from cancer. But she wrote a, uh, a letter to the editor, and she described what MCU is. And it was only about a paragraph long, but it really spoke to me because it brought together faith and, and social justice issues uh, you know i looked at other things maybe more charitable type work but i realized the social justice issues were the thing at the top of my my list and she brought that home to me i had to do a little work to try to track everybody down at mcu but i finally got in touch with a, a woman named Dietra baker and uh, it pretty much changed my life from that point on for the better Okay, so it sounds like that distinction between uh, social justice work and charity was big for you. Can you explain that a little bit more? Right. Um, you know, it's a, I grew up Catholic, and um, the, there has always been a lot of discussion uh, about social justice work within Catholicism. And I also went to the Jesuit High School, St. Louis U High in St. Louis, and uh, the motto there has been for number of years is to be a man for others. And that's stuck with me for the last, I guess, 50, uh, 50 plus years. And uh, that's what I, that's what called to me. It was to be 
a man for others, belong to Ignatius Loyola. And I think you just covered my next question, which was how does your faith inform your participation with MCU? Is there anything you want to add to that? I mean, just yeah, more in depth is that I, I feel that particularly with Pope Francis, that his mission and his whole background was working in a social environment within the Catholic Church. And I just think that it's a mission that they've fallen down on in my experience and needs to be revived. I see a younger generation uh, getting more involved than my current generation. And from what you've described, it sounds like your path to MCU was you seeking it out individually, that you you contacted the organization individually as opposed to learning about it through your congregation. Have you been able to take that take MCU back to your congregation and introduce people to it? I haven't, Kevin, and it's a, it's a disappointment for me. I, I approached our pastor, and, you know, if you got the sense of Catholicism, it's very hierarchical, very hierarchical. And so I went to him, uh, but he was not interested. He said, actually, that Fox News had uh, started the concept of social justice so badly that it would not fly within the, our parish demographics, but he did point me to, uh, to you know, Marie Kenyon, who is a, a major voice within the Catholic Archdiocese for Social Justice, and I've gotten quite involved in other places and have gone to other parishes outside of ours, including Sacred Heart in Valley Park and St. Clair in uh, Chesterfield, St. Clair of Assisi, and I met some some wonderful people there, from Bernie Sammons to Jeff and Terry Schulenberg, just to name a couple people. Um, so what's been the most memorable MCU action or activity that you've participated in and, and what happened and why is it memorable for you? Well, I, I went, I mentioned Dietra Baker earlier, who's, who's now a professor at Eden Theological. Uh, and I went to an advocacy day in some of my first weeks uh, with MCU. And she kind of picked me out to, to go with her as we went from uh, office to office of different both Republican and Democratic uh, leaders in Jefferson City. And as we walked into those offices, here I was, uh, uh, this newbie, uh, still nowhere near where Dietra was. And she has this huge energy. And I was just following her, trying to learn. But I was the only one who was getting greeted and, you know, nodded to and my hand shook by people. And I realized, uh, you know, being a a black woman um, was not a sign of power in Jefferson City, uh, maybe in many places beyond that. And I mentioned that to her afterwards. She goes, well, I'm used to it. And so that that is what was memorable to me. And I've, I've seen it play out multiple times uh, where I'm assumed to be something really other than I am. But I like to think that I can use that. You know, I can use that that position that I've been put in to to make a change. So I, I, I'll work with it. Okay, that sounds good. Now, you had, you had mentioned kind of casually, kind of jokingly, but there's some truth in that joke about where you grew up having some uh, white privilege, white white supremacy um, tendencies in it. So that means that that you've you've been you've either moved or or saw something different as you were growing up and 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 gravitated towards something different than maybe your surroundings were. Can you tell me a little bit about 
um, your experience and your learning about um, uh, our, our racial inequities in our society and in St. Louis and, and sort of your journey and understanding with those things. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I, I, I really think, and my parents were very, uh, very liberal. You know, they voted for McGovern in 1972. I mean, how many people voted for McGovern? <laughs> so, you know, you, you get where they were coming from. And my uh, grandfather was a UMWA, uh, United Mine Workers organizer, uh, you know, back in the 30s. Um, and my dad tried to start a union in a factory he worked at in addition to his postal work he worked a second job and got fired for for trying to start this union so there was that kind of impetus in my background and then i i think st louis U high and it's called to be a man for others just ingrained that in me and uh, i've worked up with various groups uh, up in the ville neighborhood um, whether they're St. Louis U High or with uh, some people I've met out at St. Clair of Assisi, um, done some work in the gardens that they have up there and, and you know, handing out backpacks. So in any case, I would say that um, my background probably was more labor-oriented, but finally came to learn that, they're, like so many things, they're interrelated, um, and race is a part of that. And I'd say my focus now is much more in race uh, than labor. You had, you had mentioned your the, the history that you talked about with your grandfather and your, your father. I, I can see that in, in your actions within MCU. I, I've noticed that you're not afraid to stand up and you're not afraid to, to, to speak what's on your mind. Um, I, I think in the last year or so you've, you've gone to school board meetings and, and uh, you know, yeah. or the, the 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 show the show uh, meetings that that some of our politicians have had out in the Rockwood School District and and you're not afraid to stand up in a group that can be hostile and 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 say what what's on your mind where does that come from and and how do you get to that point? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, Kevin. But um, I don't know. You know, my my dad, you know, tried to organize a union, so there was that. You know, for me, you know, and he knew. I, I think if he lost he lost they lost by three votes on getting the union into this little factory he worked at and i think he knew and there was a lot of people that would come over to the house and you know argue politics and argue union and uh mostly pro-union you know that's who came over and they'd be drinking beer so it, it was that kind of thing i saw my dad doing at a personal risk to himself and his family really and, and when he went ahead and did it anyway um and then I, you know, the Jesuit tradition is is to speak out, and so the two of those combined again to help form my part of the courage or stupidity fine line. But that 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 uh, makes makes me willing to speak out. And that leads me to my next question, which is: the word politics can come with a negative connotation in our society. So for you, why is it important to us, especially people of faith, to be politically active? Um, good, good to, yeah, you know, I, I think what it reminds me of the word politics reminds me of Pete Seeger uh, used to refer to uh, when people got together to drink beer or to watch a football game, they were impacting the body politic because it was a group of people coming to speak uh, to, to the issues of the day 
and I think the, the MCU put on an event this last Sunday, which I thought was uh, wonderful because there was a, a plan that didn't fulfill, didn't get fulfilled exactly because very people are very, some people got very outspoken about what they they believed and and but that bringing together of people, some of them are very influential in the city, state, uh, uh, even national and, and government and. They they heard personally, or their aides heard personally, what is on people's mind, even sometimes in anger. But that bringing together of the body politic is why I don't shy from the word. Of all the things that are going on in MCU right now, all of our, our actions and activities, what are you currently excited about? Well, I am on the legislative task force and all of that. Uh, excites me. Um, I mean, sometimes it can be a little bit, uh, I feel a little bit like Sisyphus down in Jefferson City trying to get change done because it's a, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge mountain and a, a huge rock to, to make change. Uh, but I work with JMO and she keeps me inspired. No matter how grim things might look, JMO can, can get you out of that and keep you, uh, energized. So now I would say, um, it was a learning experience for me. It was environmental issues, how how racially impactful they are, um, and, and I've learned a lot there. Um, and JMO has been the guide f- for that. So, do you see that that we're we're taking more action in Jefferson City than we have in the past? Definitely, definitely. I think JMO's brought that. She was, she was a farmer. Uh, representative uh, in Jefferson City. She knows people. She can get connections. And uh, the other thing I noticed too is there's a, for my own personal reason, was that there's a uh, an emphasis on bringing Catholics into the group more than I had saw, seen before. There's a sister, uh, Sister Sanchez. Uh, that that's been encouraging to me. And JMO's presence to me was huge. She came from Empower, Missouri, um, and was an influence there. I I heard about Empower through MCU. And then when she came aboard, I thought, wow, that is, that is quite a coup. And and she has made the difference just this past year. um, She got through some environmental getting the lead out of the water uh, in schools, which of course it shouldn't be there in the first place, but she got that initiated and talked about and passed all in a, one year, which is unheard of in the five-month uh, session that uh, Missouri has, especially something that could be viewed as a, you know, liberal issue, you know, health issues. <laughs> almost sad to say that that's liberal, but, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's beyond that. But in any case, uh, she got it done. And uh, I was glad to be part of that. I, you know, I spoke. Uh, in front of a committee and and um, she, she inspires and will continue to do that for for MCU I believe it, it's I don't know if you've noticed this too but you know in going to Jefferson City the first time or two that you go you're it's it's very intimidating but Jefferson City is is actually quite accessible uh, person uh, person to person wise Mm-hmm. Not, not talking about the structure of the building, which it's a big old marble building. So uh, there are those issues. Uh, but it, it is something where you 
you feel like you can actually talk to legislators in Jefferson City, especially when it comes to your representative. Maybe the senators not as much, but those individuals seem to be a lot more accessible than you think they are. I agree 100%, Kevin. I mean, like you said, you go down there and you, I can't walk into this, you know, representative's office. I mean, who am I? I'm just a schmo, but they are. And they're, they're uh, legislative aides, you know, really, I've never had a bad experience, even with people that I don't agree with politically. They've been hospitable. They've been the aides, maybe more than the, the politicians themselves, were more knowledgeable about the issues that we, we talked about. I mentioned that Advocacy Day, and I talked to my uh, senator's legislative aide, and we had this great conversation, and the senator showed up, and you could tell basically he was clueless, and he just looked to the aide to answer his questions. And it, it taught me that, you know, if you can get to the aide, uh, you're probably better off <laughs> than you are in, in a lot of cases, especially on. Uh, one side of the aisle. So we talked a, a little bit, uh, you talked about uh, the effort in Jefferson City can seem kind of hopeless at times and can feel overwhelmed. So what gives you hope and motivates you? Well, um, I, you know, JMO, I mentioned she does. She can kind of take those uh, downtimes or things that might look bad or things that don't get mentioned, which seems to be more the problem than get actually defeated. They just don't even get brought up. Um, she's, so she's been a, a, a great influence on me to, to keep up the spirit. And I think, you know, Jesus, uh, he, he sure fought some big odds, you know, his whole life, whether, you know, and, um, he, he kept going, you know, no matter what they threw at him, he, he kept going, you know, he didn't just, you know, pass it by. He, uh, you know, I think one of my favorite scenes is, you know, when they want to, people want to stone the prostitute and he's like, be careful. There is a God, uh, you know, whoever wants to never sin, go ahead. You throw the first stone and, and, and they all walk away. You know? And he's like, there you go. I, you know, just don't, don't really sin anymore, but keep, you know, you deserve to live. And I think that ties in with my whole death penalty uh, beliefs as well, which I'm sincerely against. And uh, even though, I, uh, you know, the Catholic Church and I can agree on on that issue, if nothing else. So it got me to go up to uh, St. Charles to um, put some signs out and, and be there when there was a, a man that could have been sentenced to death and was. Um, and now there's uh, Kevin Johnson, who's uh, facing a death penalty on November 29th. Uh, he's to be executed. And it just seems so pointless. You know, if I, I do believe in redemption, you know, Jesus was killed unjustly. Why, why do that? And then there's, you know, then there's all the cases of people who turned out to be innocent totally. Um, they could have, they were on death row. And there's some, some great, great novel, I mean, not novels, but it's great books out there that that describe those situations as well. Now, have you had an opportunity to do the week-long training? Have you done that yet? I have. I, I Ironically, I was in Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, before all the brouhaha happened there with the shootings. And uh, that was a, a, another eye-opening experience because it taught me a lot about Kenosha. 
Um, we were up there with quite a few uh, ex-felons, and the police were on the site of the uh, university where we were having this. Uh, we were staying in the dorms nightly. Uh, they chased people, chased a guy into the dorms one night with their guns drawn and their dogs out. It was um, it was eye opening to to see the, all that in action. Um, and I think you know there was in a kind of very wealthy section of Kenosha. It was out in the suburbs, right next to a uh, uh, a golf course, a country club, really. And um, the, I think the people in that area wanted the police to be hand, you know keep a very tight lid on it. At five o'clock one morning, the smoke alarm was set off by someone. I'm sure not in our group to just get everybody, you know, just to harass people. There was a lot of harassment that went on there, so it, it brought that idea of what people can go through who are harassed by the police, what that's like, and it, it doesn't have to be fatal, but it can be demoralizing. And with within the training itself, what were some things that you learned or what did you discover? Well, this, for me, the hardest thing, and this sounds maybe like it wouldn't be hard, but it was define your self-interest. And I would say it took me about a week to figure that out. And uh, now it sounds very easy and simplistic for me to say that, but I have two grandchildren and that became the, the focal point of you know, and that's another thing. Like you say, well, why do you put up with Jefferson City kind of thing? And it's like, well, because I want a better life for my grandchildren. I want that legacy to be a better place. And I, you know, my dad did some of that. And I didn't really know my grandfather, but, you know, I knew enough stories about him that I thought, well, you know, if I'm kind of out there doing this kind of work, maybe they'll see that and think it's worthwhile. Um, and, and not just, for that vision of theirs, but to actually make change that things can happen. And I think, you know, with our environmental work from last year, that, that uh, it did happen. It all happened within five months of getting lead out of the water for our school children. And, and it, it wasn't easy, but it happened. <laughs> when you testified on Jefferson City, did you, did you take your concern for your your grandchildren to that testimony? I did. I did. Um, it was just several minutes, but I, I brought them up saying, here's, I've got two grandchildren who are, you know, students in the state of Missouri, and I would like to see them uh, thrive and, and not be subject to uh, environmental pollution. And then if if you're talking to somebody who's listening today and they're thinking about MCU and and are considering joining us, uh, what would you tell them? Why should they consider joining us, and and what can they expect? Well, I would boil it down to two words: do it. It it's fulfilling. It's fulfilling spiritually. It's fulfilling uh, emotionally, and it's fulfilling in a very kind of tactical personal way that you know you can make a difference um that's what i've learned and uh, to, to you have a voice use it um there's a line in a in a song uh 
that Roy Arbison sings that says, I may be old and gray, but I still have something to say. So that, that line kind of motivates me. <laughs> uh, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm 70 and, and I am old and gray. But <laughs> okay, good. And I think that my last question for you would be, in any of your experiences with MCU, has there been something that's been surprising, either either from within the group or even when taking action outside of the group and, and having somebody respond in a way that, did, that you didn't expect? Well, the thing that I first noticed when I started was there's a, a part of the MCU um, methodology for every meeting where you talk about the tension that was in the meeting. And that just really threw me off for the first couple months that I would go to meetings. I thought, why should there be tension? I, you know, I like you, you like me, I hope. And we're fighting for the same issues. But I've come to learn that tension is where the growth happens. It's where the change occurs, you know, and, and geology is where the earthquakes occur. And that's huge change um, as tectonic plates rub against each other. And that's what happens. And I've, I've learned that we've kind of need to pay attention to that tension and don't walk away from it, you know, especially kind of with my white privileged middle class background, you kind of want to avoid that tension. It's like, well, yeah, it doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I have come to understand too, that um, I, I believe probably because of laws and, you know, de jure, uh, de facto racism that, you have to live in a world of tension as a, a black person in America that it's thrust upon you. And so um, I, I've learned a lot about tension and, and it's, and it's goodness. Okay, great. And that, and that we need to step into it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I want to thank our guest today, Terry Canise, a leader with the MCU legislative task force. If you're ready to join us in the work for justice in the St. Louis area, contact us at 314-367-3484, or you can email us at office at mcustl.com. You can learn more and contribute to MCU at our website, mcustlewis.org, and also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news and events. I'm Kevin Prang, and you've been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening.